The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. Well, hopefully, you remember, at least if you, uh, if you were listening last week, hopefully you remember that we talked about this book of Hebrews that we've been studying, was we put it in the category of all the letters, or we say it is an epistle, but really we said it's written in a style that is more the style of a sermon, okay? And we said that the good preaching, which some of you are not familiar with, but good preaching, uh, begins with the idea that we, first of all, we talk about what does the scripture say? And then we move to, okay, so what does that mean in our lives? Or, or, and then now, what are we going to do about it? And we t- looked at chapter 10 last week, and that was really the transitional chapter. Okay, it went from, okay, here's all the things I've been teaching you about Jesus Christ, the high priest. I've been telling you about how he was the perfect sacrifice, has paid the debt for sin. Now you are clean in him through faith in Jesus Christ. Because, and that debt is paid completely. Remember, the priest never had a place to sit down in the temple because his work was never done. But what did Jesus do after laying down the perfect sacrifice? He sat down. Why? Because he's done. The price has been paid fully. Now that you know that, okay, now that you know that, what does that mean? Well, that means we approach him with confidence. That means we have Jesus Christ. And then, okay, so what does that look like in our life? Well, we are to draw near to him. We are to hold tight to him. We are to uh, encourage others. Let us encourage others. Well, then we move into, okay, let's, let's look a little bit more at what this walk of faith looks like. So chapter 11 uh, is often called this, is often called the Hall of Fame of Faith. I was feeling creative this week, so I went to Goodwill, and I thought, you know, I'm going to get me a gold jacket so I look like I'm being inducted into the Hall of Fame, because every year I, they keep skipping over me for the uh, NFL Hall of Fame, but I thought this would be my chance. Couldn't find a gold jacket, though. It never happened. So, uh, but I, kind of a little piece of trivia, just even to remember that chapter 11 is a significant chapter, and then it goes through and it lists people from the Old Testament that demonstrated their faith. And the writer is saying, hey, here's what faith looks like a little bit. Here's what this journey of faith looks like. I want you to see it. So we're going to explore that here in uh, in Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to jump into that and see what it looks like. But to begin with, I want to give you a little bit of a testimony. I don't know that everybody can see that. I'm hoping it will show up for the folks in TV land too. Uh, But our top sign uh, points to the way of pleasing God. And our bottom sign points to the way of trusting God. About uh, oh man, a long time ago, I was 15 years old, uh, my brother began to tell me about his relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'd heard of Jesus Christ. We went to church a couple times a year and knew some things about him. I knew what Christmas was, basically. I knew what Easter was. But for the first time, he started to say how this could be something that was very personal. He said he wanted me to know that Jesus had died to pay the price for my sin and that I needed a Savior. And shortly after that, I think through, with God showing me that need in my life that I needed a Savior, I, I, I said that, yes, I do. And I, in my heart, I said, Lord, I, I know that I need a Savior. I, I, I realize that you're showing me that, that I have an, a need to have my sins forgiven. And I want to trust you. I want, I want you to be my Savior. I want to receive you. I want to accept you. I want to come to you as my Savior. Now, again... I, I, I kind of jump into things pretty enthusiastically. I don't know if any of you else can relate to this, but when this happened in my life, I was pumped. 
okay? The uh, psalmist wrote one time, he said, restore the joy of my salvation. I thought, I, got, I get that concept, the joy of my salvation. I mean, anything at that point that, a, that somebody had told me, hey, this is what Christians are supposed to do, I was ready to do it. You know, Christians shave their head and put their pants on backwards. I'd have been uncomfortable, but I'd have done it uh, because I was, just, I was just ready for anything. I was going to jump in, and it wasn't long, and I want to change my story a little bit from literal to allegorical, uh, but it wasn't long until I went down the path of following God, and I came to a sign that looked something like this. There was a split in the road, and the one side said, hey, go this way and focus really your life on pleasing God, and, or go this way and focus your life on trusting God. Now, I got to tell you, I was all in. This business of just trusting God seemed a little lame. Okay? I mean, come on. Come on. This little weak sauce here, this, this is what we need to go for. We need to jump into going down this road of pleasing God. And sure enough, I did. I said, I'm, I'm going that way. I'm going to do everything that I can to try to please God. And fortunately, along the pathway there, along this journey, uh, they have kind of like in a marathon, they have little tables set up to help you. And uh, I came across this table, and they said, hey, first thing, you got to get into the Word of God. you got to read the Bible. And, uh, and they had all types of different plans of reading your Bible. You can read through the Bible in a year. You can read through the Bible, uh, you know, every day. You want to be in the Bible, and here's this Bible reading plan. I stopped at another table, and they had all types of giving plans. People talked about, well, the Old Testament tithe, you need to give 10%. Somebody else said, well, wait, New Testament, that's just the beginning 10%. You want to give to God and go, and uh, maybe that's it. I even heard about one guy there. He, wanted to, he said, I, uh, I've decided that I'm going to live on 10% and give God 90 and I said, well, okay. Uh, that, <laughs> that makes you happy. Uh, but, uh, you know, and, and, but he's, he's tell, and I'm trying to figure out exactly, and here's a, here's a table on rearing my kids and trying to get them to follow the Lord, and, and here's you know, here's a table on church attendance and everything like that and, and service. And I'm, I'm, I'm getting all these opportunities and I'm going down this road. And again, I'm eating it all up. What am I going to do? I want to please God. Eventually, and not that I became miserable, and I don't want to paint that picture, but eventually I got to the place where this whole path of trying to please God, I just couldn't figure out when I was doing enough. Do you know what I mean? It was just like, okay, well, you know, it's... Maybe uh, I could always be reading my Bible more. I could always be praying more. I could always give more. And, uh, and not that it became miserable for me, but it did become somewhat frustrating. Because it, it was, you know, again, you know, what, what exactly is going to be enough? And, uh, and, you know, sometimes we get this idea that even Christianity just as a whole is designed to be hard. Uh, the Amish philosophy is, Life is hard somewhat. You know, it's intended to be hard. And sometimes I think we say that same thing. Well, yeah, if I'm going to please God, it's going to be hard. It's going to be tough. And I kind of accepted that. And then someone encouraged me. They said, hey, remember that? Again, allegorically speaking. Someone said, remember that place where you came to the fork in the road? And, uh, and you thought, pleasing God, that sounds a little bit more noble. That sounds a little richer. I'm going that way. Well, let's back up. And let's try to go down this path of trusting God. Let me show you a couple verses here before we actually get into the text we're going to look at today. Um, this is a verse you might be familiar with. <laughs> Behind the sign, here we go. Uh, but Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And he said this, the Apostle Paul wrote, and he said, The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me. And gave himself for me. He said, the life that now you live is a life that is to be lived by faith. 
In our text, one of the key verses in chapter 11 says this, that without faith, it is actually impossible to please God. And I want to suggest to you today and get you thinking a little bit along these lines that when I head down this road of just trying to please God, sometimes I end up doing neither of these two things. But when I head down this road, I wind up doing both of those two things. And I think we'll see that as we jump into this journey. So what I'm going to invite you to do with me today is take a little walk down this road, the road of trusting God. And actually, we're going to take a little walk through Hebrews chapter 11 and meet some of the different characters that we meet on this road of trusting God that are held, us, held up as examples. And we definitely want to, if we're going to take the path of trusting God, we definitely want to be looking at Scripture, okay? And uh, very simply, that's how God talks to us. If we're going to trust Him, we need to know what He's saying, right? Um, when uh, my wife got a new car, uh, I was used to, in my older car, I can plug in my phone uh, to, to charge it. It has a little place to, to plug it in. So I got into her car, and I plugged in my phone to charge it, and we were going somewhere that I didn't know where, and I set the GPS, and I'm driving down for a while, and she says, I think we were supposed to turn a while ago, and sure enough, I looked at the GPS, and I said, why isn't that woman talking to me? Uh, she's supposed to tell me in two miles, take that, you know, like that, and she wasn't saying a thing. Well, some of you might realize what happened. My new car had something my old car didn't have. It plugged into the sound system, and I didn't have the radio on. So, uh, so it was no longer talking to me, so I got lost. Well, if we journey down this road of faith, we want to make sure that we are listening to God and guiding Him. So that's where we're headed here. That's what we're going to do. We're going to go through Hebrews chapter 11, meet some of these different people, and see what they have to say to us about this journey, about this way of uh, traveling down the road of trusting God. In chapter 5, we'll meet our first friend. His name is Abel. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. Remember that phrase, we'll come back to that. He lives faithfully, following God, trusting God. He was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, yet he still speaks. Sorry, I love the King James phrase of that. He being dead yet speaketh. I don't know why I like that phrase. Uh, but it, it talks about this fellow by the name of Abel. Okay? Now, here's what I think Abel could tell us about faith. He followed God. He pleased God. He was commended by God. So Abel lived a long and prosperous life, and everything was good. Some of you know the story. Cain. Some of you remember Cain. In the Bible, we call him the first chicken. Uh, no, that's uh, something different. They have a little cane chicken place down there. But uh, no, we call him the first murderer, right? He killed his brother Abel. So what I'm saying here is Abel could tell us this. I'm not really going to promise you that everything's going to work out right. Now stay with me because you're thinking this isn't a very encouraging message. Wait a minute, I'm going to tra travel the journey of faith. There's going to be a guarantee then. I'm following God. I'm trusting him and everything's going to work out well. But God might say this to us, I'm going to ask you to do some things, and you won't like the outcome. Very simply. There's going to be something, and we have this tendency, okay, I had a rough situation at work, I prayed about it, I really believe this is what God wanted me to do, it was the right thing, I did it, I got fired. I did it, the other guy got the promotion. And we said, what in the world? 
Are, are you serious? Now, not all the time. Sometimes you, you testify, hey, I did it. And, uh, you know, it, it turned out a great blessing. We'll, we'll kind of get to that in a little bit. But sometimes you look and you say, hey, wait a minute. Uh, you know, I thought this was all going to go the way I had planned. The question really that needs to be asked is not, though, how did things turn out, but did I trust God? Did I do? I mean, I trusted God, and I really invested in trying to do what he said in my marriage. Still fell apart. I trusted God and really tried to do what he said with my kids. Things didn't go exactly how I'd hoped they'd go. Okay, the question is not, how did things turn out? The question is, did I please God by following him in faith? It really is. Now, stay with me, okay? Because you might be like, not liking where this is going. But I think this is what he, Abel trusted God. He pleased God. He did what was right. He was commended by God. And yet you cannot say following God and everything turned out just the way that he wanted it to. We have this tendency in life to want to fix the blame on everything, for, for everything. When my kid's not doing very well. It's somebody's fault. You know, if I'm not going to take the blame, I'm going to blame the school or I'm going to blame the, you know, whatever, the place they worked or his friend or whatever like that. I've got to blame somebody. And we always have to fix the blame. But the real question I think that we want to get back to is, am I seeking to follow God and trust him and live the life of faith? That is how I please God. The results, I don't know how to say that. I'm not responsible for all the time. Okay? And I have to realize that. Okay, let's meet, let's meet the next fellow on the road. We've talked to Abel. Let's talk to a guy named Enoch. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. Some of you that are in the Bible trivia, you might have known that. Enoch was one that never died. He just kind of walked right with the Lord because God had taken him. Now, before he had taken, he was commended having pleased God. Okay, he was commend, he's on the walk of faith. He has pleased God. He's commended for us. And without faith, it is impossible. There's our verse number six. Uh, I don't know how much you know about Enoch, but one of the main things that God asked him to do, if you go back in the story of Genesis, he was asked to tell the world that judgment was coming. Okay? In fact, his grandson, some of you may have heard this name, is Methuselah. Uh, some of you know, well, that's the guy who lived longer than anybody. You know what his name basically means, though, is it has to do with the idea of a sword. Judgment is coming. And when Methuselah did die, that's when the judgment came. That's when the flood came. Okay? So the message that Enoch gave was judgment is coming. The second thing that Enoch might say to us is there's no promise you're going to be popular. People love to be told that they're doing wrong and the judgment is coming. Very, very popular, popular message. Um, God would say this to us, however, I may ask you to do something that makes you very, very unpopular. We were playing a game, I, th I think it's called Psych, but it's a game that you play online during the COVID. It, people got, po you could all log in and play this little game, and it's, it's kind of a mix mixture of balderdash and ask some personal questions, and you have to try to f get people to guess your answer. But one of the questions came up about me one time, and they said, what TV character does Dan remind you of? Okay, yeah, um, and honestly, I knew exactly what it was going to be. I don't know if any of you connect with this, knowing me or anything like that. This is not a compliment, but like I think we were playing with th uh, two other couples, and out of the five people besides me, four of them got it right. Uh, it was really depressing. They all labeled it, and some of you, this is a little old. So some of you might not know this guy, but uh, uh, Ray Barone, and everybody loves Raymond. No, that's not funny. 
Uh, it's not even a, l- a little bit funny, but uh, my sister told me that before. She said, you remind me of him. I mean, he's a whining, sniveling, uh, irritating, uh, you know, just uh, t- who has a very pretty wife and he doesn't deserve her. But uh, anyway, you know, it just, there, there you go. That's my story. Uh, er- everybody c- connects with that. But, uh, you know, the whole theme of that show is everybody loves Raymond. And I have to admit this. I do struggle with that. I like to be liked. Okay? And I struggle getting when people don't like me. Uh, and sometimes, therefore, I struggle showing them love and grace, which love and grace always does what's best for the person, uh, by confronting them when they do wrong. Now, listen, I do not encourage you to go looking for opportunities to confront people because having a relationship with people and, and having them know that you love them when you confront them is crucial. But even when you have that, confronting is hard. I mean, I pray like with my kids that when the, you know, when the, I have to, that I'll have the courage uh, to confront them, to tell them, you know, there's so many things with your kids. Those of you that have adult children, you know, you just learn to go with. Okay, that's them. Uh, That's us. My, um, (laughs) sorry, got the baby thing on my mind here. Cracks me up. Uh, My son, now you have to be old to appreciate this, Uh, but my son, he loves to use the new terminology. In other words, he doesn't tell me that his wife's pregnant. He says, we're pregnant. And when we get a text, he doesn't say, my wife's in labor. He says, we're in labor. That cracks me up because if I had said to my wife, we're in labor, there would be a scar here the shape of a bedpan uh, from, the, from the hospital. We're in labor. Now you're watching TV, and I'm going to rip the eyeballs out of your head if you don't stop it. Uh, you know, that would have been the phrase that I'd have gotten, you know, the old, we're in labor. But, you know, they march in so many different ways. By the way, my, my son, I mentioned the, the baby was born two weeks ago. They do the home birth. They did a home birth with both their kids. Yeah, I know. I'm like, mm-hmm. uh, I don't think so. You know, Francis was like, no, I'm staying in the hospital for a week. I love it when the nurses take the baby away and I sleep. You know, that's good. So, you know, different strokes for different folks. You kind of get that a lot. However, there are sometimes when you when confrontation is needed, there are sometimes when you see somebody going on the wrong path. And if you love them, you have to say something. And sometimes God might be saying, hey, wait a minute. This isn't going to make you popular. But this is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to follow me. Let's meet a third person on the road. By faith, Noah. Being warned by God concerning events yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Notice that last part. He obeyed God. He followed him. He became heir of the righteousness that comes how? By faith. Okay, he is considered righteous by faith in Jesus Christ for his obedience to the Lord, doing doing what he had said. But what he had said to do at that time, would have had to have been considered nuts. Okay? It's going to rain. We don't even know what rain is. So I'm going to build a big boat. I'm going to put two of every animal on it. I'm going to follow God. Honestly, you have to think, people thought, this man is nuts. He has lost his mind. So Noah might say to us, God might ask you to do some things, and there is no promise. There is no promise that what God asks you to do is that necessarily going to make sense? And some of you, I'm sure, have already experienced this in following God. Maybe it is family that has decided that person's lost their mind. They're a little nuts about this whole Jesus thing and following him. Uh, I, think that, I, think, I think they've lost it. Maybe it is, you know, work, the workplace. <laughs> He's one of those. 
I actually heard that heard somebody said that about me. Oh, you're one of them. <laughs> kind of like, you know, I was off the spaceship or something, something like, like that. Oh, you're one of those, one of those Jesus people following. And maybe at school where they're going to say, oh, now what you're doing doesn't seem, seem to make sense. Uh, what you're doing sounds a little crazy, a, li- a little nuts, nuts. So maybe there's even a friendship that will be lost because the person says, hey, this person's nuts. So they've lost it. So Noah might say to us, you know, follow God. I'm not going to promise you that uh, it's always going to make sense. In fact, along that line a little bit, let's, let's meet the next guy. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out of the place that he had received an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. For some of that, that's the hardest one right there. Abraham might say, you know what? You may be asked to follow, and you're not going to know exactly where you're going, where it's going to lead. You ever been there? I really felt like this is what God had for me to do, to step out, to move to this place, uh, to take this job, to leave the job I was in, uh, anything like that, and think, you know, I'm going to follow him, and you think, you know, right away, and and then you get out there, and you think, where am I, God? (laughs) I'm not real sure why you led me out here. I'm not sure what I'm doing here, and you're kind of wondering what's going on. But uh, this is just the start of what is shared there about Abraham, but that's maybe a fourth thing that we look at, and we say, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute, maybe... Uh, you know, again, I just, just let, let me mention, I think uh, God, what God says to us is, I want you to trust me even when you don't understand my timing, even when you don't understand my direction. And uh, again, I think we've been there. Uh, some of you, well, we bought a new home, really thought this is what God had for us to do. Then I lost my job. I don't know how I'm going to pay for the home. Or I transferred to this new job thinking, boy, that was a really great opportunity and it's been a nightmare. And I don't really understand but I really believed that I was following God in that way. And God says to you, I want you to follow me. And I want you to continue to follow me, but these promises are not there. So why in the world? (laughs) Why in the world, pastor, then are you encouraging us to follow him? What a great sales pitch uh, that you're giving here. In fact, uh, let's go on. Let's, Let's read verse number 13 of chapter 11. Talking about, now this is in the middle. He's going to list some more. In fact, he's going to, he has more to say about Abraham. He's going to talk about Moses, and he's going to talk about a bunch of other heroes of the faith. But these all died in faith, not having received the things promised. Encouraging word, isn't it? Think about Abraham here for a second. Some of you might remember he was the one who was promised that through him all the, he'd become a great nation, and through him all the nations of the world would be blessed. He didn't realize either of those things. And sometimes the promises of God, uh, through, even through our obedience, will be revealed in future generations. They're not going to happen while here, I'm here on this earth. Pastor, you're still not selling me yet, but stay with me. Not having seen them, he greeted them from afar. And having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on this earth. It says, these guys didn't receive their promise here on this earth. They did not see them come, but they knew that they were coming. They knew that they were coming, and they realized, I'm a stranger here on this earth. This earth is not my home. It's not my final place. Okay, they realized that. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. Okay, this world is not my home. If they had been thinking of that land for which they had gone out, they would have had the opportunity to return. But as it is, so they weren't looking back from the place they came from. But as it is, here's what they did. They desired a better country. 
That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. In other words, very simply, folks, they had their eyes on heaven. They, had, they were eternity-minded. They, they saw things in, in that way. And uh, let me sh- uh, share a couple more phrases that I, I do not have on the screen from Hebrews chapter 11. In, uh, let's see, verse, I'm sorry. Um, in verse number 26, uh, when it begins to list a bunch of them, it says, by faith, here's a bunch of different things that happened. Uh, they crossed the Red Sea. Uh, by faith, walls fell down. Uh, by faith, you know, different events that took place in this story. But uh, it says this in verse number 26, they, they lived looking for, to the reward. He considered, I'm sorry, I messed up there. Moses is, is talking about Moses, and Moses, who could have had the riches of Egypt and decided, no, instead he's going to follow uh, what God told him to do. It says he considered the reproach of Christ greater than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. And then this phrase down in uh, verse number 35, it says, so they, they, they went through all the different things that they did so that they may rise again to a better life. So understand, you know, I'm, I'm not painting a very good picture. Follow Jesus. Hey, you're not always going to know where you're going. People may not like you, okay? Uh, they're going to think you've lost your mind in some cases. And I cannot promise you that everything's going to turn out right when you follow Jesus in faith. But we understand as we look at how, the, how this happened, how these individuals did this, they looked to the future. They looked to a heavenly home. They realized that this isn't the end of the story. They kept their eyes on eternity and they realized that's real. And this is such a valuable, you know, life-changing concept if I can really get a hold of it. But I do think we all struggle with that some. This is all we see. This is all we can touch. And therefore, we have a hard time believing that which is invisible to us and seeing that. But the secret to their faith is they said, this world is not my own. I have a life beyond this. Heaven is real. And that changes everything. Well, however you imagine heaven. So I heard it described this week as nature on steroids. I don't know if that's uh, exactly what heaven's going to be like, but what I do know is that Jesus will be there. What I do know that, uh, is that the, the, you know, the wiping away of the tears and the sorrow, and there's no presence of sin. I do know that. So I look forward to that day. And I hold on to that promise that in this world, what I want to do is I want to please him. But how do I please him? I please him by trusting him. I please him by, if this is what you want me to do. I mean, really somewhat, if you want to say this, kind of simplifies the the Christian life. It brings it down to God saying, when I tell you to do something, say yes. If I've instructed you to do it, say 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 yes. I don't need a list to find out from the church everything I'm supposed to do. I don't, you know, everything like that. Basically, follow me, and we'll talk a little bit about that before we close. But uh, follow me, and when I ask you to do something, say yes. Do it. It kind of brings it down very simply down this path, down this life of faith. Now, before we read just a little bit more in our text, I wanted to mention a few things about the individuals, if you will, uh, that are in the Hall of Fame. A few things I want you to notice that I, that I think are important. The first thing on my list, very simply, they weren't so hot. Now, what I mean by that is sometimes we look and say, yeah, but, Pastor, you said this is the Hall of Fame of faith from Scripture. Are you expecting me to live like these people? And these are the heroes of the Bible. Are you expecting me to follow their example? 
Noah got drunk and exposed himself. I've been looking at some resumes for staff positions. Nobody has put that on their resume. <laughs> Strangely, uh, that just doesn't show up anywhere. Abraham lied, offered his wife to other men, didn't believe the promise of God enough to wait, so therefore took a handmaid and impregnated her. Isaac, famous for lying. Jacob, his name means deceiver. He's in our list. We didn't even get to him yet. Moses, a murderer. Rahab, finish it, Rahab the prostitute. She's on the list. Gideon, famous for his doubting. David, adulterer and murderer. The Israelites just in general were known for their grumbling. They're not so that hot. But what they did is they trusted God. What they did is they wanted to, and, and this is what we want to do. We want to stay in the word of God. So we're following him. We want to say, God, show me what, where, where you want me to go and everything like that. I want to do my best to follow that. I might get it wrong sometimes. I might head off down the wrong path sometimes, but I'm going to try. I'm going to, I'm going to try to walk with him and follow him. I'm going to get up in the morning and say, God, you know, what, what do you have for me today? What, what is it you want me to do here? I'm going to seek to follow him in that way. These guys messed up more than their share. And you might say, well, we will too. But what God has called us to is trusting him going down the path so that when I, I says this is what God is telling me to do especially especially this is what God is telling me to do I do it I trust him with the outcome that is what it looks like to go down this path of faith sorry one more verse I want to read for you here a couple more verses at the end and all these though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Now, I should mention, I've jumped ahead to verse number 39. We've got a whole bunch more. And, and it, it's interesting because it talks about the different things that were accomplished in their life. You know, some of them, they saw walls fall down. Some of them, they saw great victories. Uh, some of them, they saw a blessing. And then some of them were tortured and killed and everything like that. There's a list that goes both ways. You'll, you'll see that in Hebrews. And then he sums it up and he says, now all of these, Though commended through their faith, they were commended that God says, hey, this is good. They did not receive the promise. What was promised? Since God has provided something better for us. Okay? God has provided something that is beyond this world, if you want to say it like that better. So when we're talking about this list, one of them is uh, that we want to realize is they weren't, they weren't that great. It wasn't like this is unachievable for me. But understand this, they were commended by God. In other words, God said, good, this is good. And not only that, they were, by God, considered to be righteous. So when we journey down this path of following Jesus in faith, understand that God is applying the cross to us. So therefore, we are considered righteous. Therefore, we, in Jesus Christ, are commended by God. Okay? Again, never because of the good works that I do, but because of the work that he has finished on the cross, my faith and my trust in him. Because of that, uh, these people are commended by God because of his work and that application of the cross to their lives. They're considered righteous. That's where we find them. So let's take uh, end with just a few very, very practical steps as to what it looks like to walk in faith. 
First step is we need to see that which is invisible. This is a phrase that is found here in Hebrews chapter 11. Seeing the invisible. You say, well, I, I can't do that. I have to see it. There are some things that you believe in, that you trust in, that you cannot see. Most notably, oxygen. Okay, gravity. Uh, you understand those things. And truth is, uh, both of those are good illustrations of what it is going to look like to live in the promises that they are there. Very simply, I'm doing it now as I take a breath. I'm believing that it's there. Okay? I'm just uh, ta taking a breath. I'm going to believe it's there. But what we begin to see that which is invisible. We begin to know that indeed heaven is real. God's promises are real. Okay, the things that he, that he says. And we realize, and again, I'm sorry if this is not encouraging, but I feel like I have to be as truthful as I can. We realize that not, the, not all these promises are going to be fulfilled in this lifetime here. But if we could somehow grasp how itty-bitty this lifetime is compared to all of eternity, I think that would help us out a lot. To understand that God's promises are true, that heaven is true, and therefore I want to begin to believe those promises, and then I want to actually live my life as though they're true. You see, all that we've looked at, let me back up, remember this good sermon, we have, we have to start with what, what the Bible says. All that we've looked at in the first nine or ten chapters of the book of Hebrews has told us about the work of Jesus Christ in our life, the sacrifice that Jesus laid on his life so that we could be made righteous. And yet, we have a hard time believing and living like we're righteous, don't we? You see how simple that is to just kind of live with that and just say, hey, I mean, I'm not saying it's easy to do, but you see, seeing the concept of what? That if I'm living in shame, then I'm not living by faith. I'm not living believing the promise of God who has said that what Jesus did on the cross is enough. If I'm living in the defeat of sins in the past and, and holding on to that and believing, you know, the lies of the devil that, that he brings into my life, then I am not living in the victory uh, that he has promised. So let us breathe. Let us open the word of God. Let us simply pray, God, what would you have me to do? What does it look like for me this day to follow you in faith? Okay. This is, to, to me, this is such a, if you want to say a baby step, but I think the reason why a lot of us miss it is we're on the other road. Okay? We're over here. Good. Motive is great. I'm trying to please God. I mean, how, how can you criticize that? I'm trying to do what is right. I'm trying to do stuff like that. And this is what our Christian look, life looks like over here. Sadly, though, sometimes when we spend our time going down that road, we totally miss the whole idea that without faith it is impossible to please God. And I think we can kind of simplify things with simply saying, on this day, God, on this day, I want to hear from you. What do you want me to do today? Who do you want me to care about today? Who do you want me to love today? What, what do you want me to do? And when we have a, a, a sense from God of what that is, do it. Do it. And I, I'm, I'm deliberately holding this open because I, I think it is a, sometimes a very dangerous thing to get out and try to navigate. Well, I know it is a very da dangerous thing to navigate without the voice of God. Okay? So I'm holding this open deliberately, but just saying, hey, real simply, what is it that you want me to do today? Do I want to live a life that is commended by God? Do I want to live a life that is uh, marked by him saying that I am righteous? Simply that comes only through faith in Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask the worship team to make their way back up.
And uh, this song that we sang uh, earlier, the uh, Let the Redeemed, uh, that was the first time for us to sing it, so we thought we'd go ahead and sing it again. As we were singing it the first time, though, you are my deliverer, and the freedom in which I'm living. I caught, caught that phrase, the freedom in which I was living. This really is a path of freedom. Okay, I, I don't mean that in, in so much of a selfish way. But, uh, and I, I know I overuse the phrase life-changing message. But this business right here, getting to this crossroad in my life, has been life-changing for me. Because... I was all about pleasing God. I really, and I don't say that to brag. I mean, that, but that's, like I said, I got excited about my faith. I jumped into everything. I mean, I was a teenager. They said, yeah, go off to Bible college. I'm there. You know, they, you know, plug into this program at church. I'm there. I mean, every chance that I get, and I'm not criticizing those things, but honestly, I always live my life wondering, hey, is this enough? And I've mentioned this before. I live my life. If you'd have asked me, is God happy with you? I'd say, no, I'm not pleasing him. Because it was never enough. It was never enough. There was always something else to do. And I actually did have a counselor kind of back me up to this crossroad and say, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> Let me show you something. Let's go down this path right here. Because without this business of faith, it is impossible to please God. Let's back you up here and let's live a life more focused on trusting what he says and who he is and what he has done in your life. It is good. It, it is good. I could stand and clap uh, because, as I said, it's, it's made a huge difference in my, in my life. And I, hope, I pray that this is a truth that we continue to get a hold, hold of because this is the life that God has called us to. Father, um, <laughs> as, it, as is every time... You know, I get so passionate about wanting to share something that you've done in my life. I always feel like my words come up short uh, as far as communicating it. It's a good place to be, God, because I want to end by just saying, Holy Spirit of God, minister this truth into our lives so far beyond my ability to do so. Take this time today and teach us more about you and more about this walk down this path. I pray in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.